And we believe in celebrating. If you've ever been to one of our services, you know that we'll stop and take pictures. We do all kinds of things uh, to make sure that everybody feels the love and feels kindness and feels goodness. And so we're, we are grateful for the opportunity we have to be called family. So uh, today, as I come to you, now normally what happens is, as I come to you and I tell you a series we're going to be in, and it was the Easter challenge, we were supposed to be in that for the next four weeks. But have you ever heard the saying, you tell God your plans and then he laughs? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. I had created a Facebook um, uh, event. I had, uh, we had the, the program sent out to you. So if you're not filling in on your notes on your app, then we had that filled out that way. Uh, we had uh, study guides done, the pro presenter done. We had everything done. And then God said, we want to change this. And so we're going to begin a series called In the Middle. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, I feel like we all know what it feels to be stuck in the middle. We all know what it feels right now to be in the middle. We have people waiting. We have people uh, holding tightly saying, when, when am I going back to work? When are, when are the kids going back to school? When is this happening? When is that happening? When does life go back to normal? When are the beaches opening? We all feel like we're stuck in the middle. And so I thought it would be important for us to maybe look at some Bible stories of characters in the Bible that were in these type of transitions, these in-between trials, people who experienced frustration. Can you identify with that? People who've experienced pain. Can you identify with that? People who are currently suffering. Can you identify with that? People who are asking difficult questions and wanting answers. Can you identify with that? I think you can identify with all of those things because as we experience this season, hear me, it is a season. You know what seasons do? They come and they go. Seasons come and seasons go. Remember, we are in a season. This is not forever. And so hold tightly to that and remind ourselves that when we're living in the middle, like we are right now, it's vital that we rely on God. It's vital that when things get tough, we turn to God who is tougher. And so we're going to start by looking at the book of Job. We're going to look at Job. We're going to look at his story. It belongs in the genre of Hebrew wisdom, and it talks about suffering. It talks about worship. And so we see Job, his family's been taken from him. He had wealth. He had health. All of these things were taken from him. And the big question is this, and it's the question that everybody's asking, but nobody wants to ask out loud, especially believers. And that's this question of, why does God allow suffering? Job wrestles with, why is this happening to me? What, what have I done? And so he starts to understand everyone around Job is losing their faith. Everyone around Job thinks they know something about God. Everyone around Job has a word for Job, and it's not a good word for him. It's a good word about God, but a bad word about him. And so, so they say, Job, the troubles that you're having are your fault. But Job remains faithful to God. He will not turn his back and curse God. And so Job ref wrestles with this big idea. It's a theological idea called a theodicy. And that theodicy is how can a loving, all-powerful God 
allow good people to suffer. And, and, and i got to be honest with you, that's haunting all of us. That's a question that we all, we all want to know the answer to. But here's what I don't want you to miss in this. I don't want you to miss your opportunity because Job never blamed God for his suffering. Job never blamed God for his suffering. He turned to God in his suffering. Job didn't curse God. Job, didn't, Job made sure that he turned to God in his suffering. And yes, he struggled, and we're going to unpack that today because God's big enough to handle your questions and my questions. So, so the life lesson, lesson in this is even though we don't know why we're suffering, even though we don't know why all of this is happening right now, we should turn to God and we should trust God. We don't know why. We don't know why COVID. We don't know why tsunamis. We don't know why earthquakes. But here's one thing we do know. We know God. Job wants the, the question answered, what, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? Not just to good people, but why do bad things happen, period? And here's the powerful truth. You and I will never know. I'm going to say it again. You will never know why certain things happen. You'll never know, but you can know God. I'm going to say that again so you don't miss it. You may never know why bad things happen, but you can know God. You can know God, and knowing God helps move us. Helps move us. It moves us from the place of torment. It moves us from the place of struggle. And it moves us to the place of peace and trust. Seeking an answer that doesn't have an answer. Only God knows those answers. But you can know God. You can know God that is present in the midst of your suffering. Where's God in the midst of your suffering? Right there. You can know God that care, God, you can know God cares about your suffering. You know that God does care about every single the Bible says the hairs on our head are numbered. And you can know that sometimes suffering can be used for divine purposes. And a lot of times what was meant for evil, God uses for good so that many lives will be changed. Right now, I believe in this crisis. This is an opportunity for us to turn to God, to turn toward God. And really, the story is really a story of worship. A story, it's a lesson in worth-ship. And it expresses a quality or state of worth found in, a, in an object or a person of someone's devotion. Do, are you devoted to God only in good times? Well, what kind of devotion is that? You, we must be devoted to God in all times. You see, it's in times like these you've got two choices. One choice is you can turn to God and you can seek His comfort, His grace, His wisdom, His peace in the midst of this current chaos, which is chaos, by the way. Or two, you can turn away from God and do the very thing that you're accusing Him of and judge Him unjustly. The difference is you can judge him all day long, but he's still God and you're not. So the question is, do you want 
God with you in the midst of this chaos and suffering? Or do you want to turn away from Him? These are the questions that we come. So, so what happens? What happens? What, what's the struggle of being in the middle? What, what are the struggles of being in the middle? The first thing, the first thing I want you to see this morning is that the question we ask ourselves right away is, is it my fault? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm my own worst critic. I am my own worst critic, man. I'll be the first guy to beat myself down in a heartbeat. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes these situations are not our fault. We ask ourselves, is it my fault? And Job says in in Job 4, 7, and 8, remember who that was innocent ever perished, or where were the upright cut off, as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. So what's our saying during this time? What's your favorite saying during bad times? Now, Christians, you know I get irritated by people who say karma. You know I do, because karma's a ripoff of reap so. And I get sick and tired of Christians saying karma. You may as well worship another God because it comes from another religion. Oh yeah, I'm gonna see some some the 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 numbers decrease on that real quick. People are jumping off. You can feel people jumping off. They don't want to hear that. What about this one? It's all your fault. I have good, well-meaning Christians telling people that COVID is God's judgment on us. So that means God is smothering grandmothers and, 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 and asthmatics to teach us something. Come on. Really? Really? Is that the God you want everyone to know that you love and serve? That is not the God that I know. The God that I know has, has uh, veterans, an uh, 88-year-old and a 75-year-old, walking out of the hospital yesterday, the VA, cured. The God that I know comforts. Or what is this? The, you reap what you sow, right? And that's very true. We understand that. But sometimes we reap what has already been sown by someone else. Sometimes we, we're just stupid. Let's just be honest. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we're stupid. Sometimes when I'm with my buddies and we're going to do something stupid, which my wife always gets upset about, we usually go, this isn't going to go well, and then we do something stupid like go into a bear cave, wondering, is there a bear in there? Hoping there's kind of a bear, but not a bear, like a nice bear, which is stupid. See what I'm saying right there? And so, so we look at that, or, or how about this one? Now, this one's rarely what people do, but some of us, some of us who struggle with self-loathing, uh, you say, oh, this is, I deserve this. I deserve it. I'm bad. I deserve it. And so, and then here's my favorite one. My favorite one of all. I told you so. Like they had some knowledge that you didn't have. I told you if you didn't stop doing this, God would send COVID and kill everybody. Really? Come on, man. Sometimes we take the blame for things that we didn't cause, and many times we blame God for things that He didn't cause. We live in a sin-sick world. We live in a sin-sick world. We live in a fallen world where original sin has introduced natural evil and moral evil. We live in that world, and we are, we are reaping from that world. Many times we're stuck in the middle. We beat ourselves up for things that are beyond our control. 
The truth of the matter is we take responsibility for things that are way above our pay grade. We take responsibility for things. But God, but, but God, God knew Job and Job knew God. You see, Job knew his relationship with God. He knew his life practices, and Job continues to justify his innocence and insists that his troubles are not because of some hidden sin in your life. The same way when something bad happens to a really great Christian, first of all, they they must be a sinner. Sister so-and-so got to be sinning because she wouldn't have broke her ankle if she wasn't talking noise. Right? Isn't that what we do? God broke her ankle. No, he did not. Why? Does God go around breaking people's ankle? Is he a part of the mob? I missed it. I missed that part of the Bible. It's crazy when you think about it. But it's really true. Think about it. That's what happens. And the whole story God reveals. Now listen to me. If you don't believe me, I want you to look up Job 42.17 because God reveals that Job had not sinned and was not being punished. So when you get all the way to the back of the book, you're going to find out that Job had not sinned and he was not being punished. Spoiler alert. So we need to stop the blame game. Nobody wins at the blame game. God did it. He did it. She did it. I did it. You did it. We must turn our energy away from blame and turn our hearts toward God, toward hope, toward help, toward comfort. But be careful. Be careful. Be careful because who do we trust in and who should we listen to? You have to be careful who you're listening to right now. You've got to be mindful of who you're letting put into your heart and life. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful how much weight you put in other people's words. Be careful and prayerful of who you let speak into your life whether you like it or don't like it weigh it you see while while this while 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 we understand that uh, and even honestly today people who don't know God's nature and character believed in retribution theology they believed in retribution theology if evil or sickness happened to you it was because you had sin in your life that's what they believed if you were poor then you must be sinners. And that was the struggle. And while some of it was true in the Old Testament because we find ourselves in a struggle, it doesn't apply to Job and it surely doesn't apply to the age of grace, the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection paid the price for us. If you listen to anything, listen to that this morning. Choose Choose to put your trust in that. But you see, the common struggle between Job, his wife, and friends as he suffers is the question of, is he at fault? And, uh, and there's a number of verses where, where, Paul, uh, where Job's wife comes and says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you just admit it? Curse God and die. That's in Job 2, 9 and 10. This is his wife. The one that's supposed to be his biggest support says, you still trying to say you have integrity? Really? Curse God and die. But Job didn't put his trust in that. Job, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Because you can hear a whole lot of things, but you don't have to listen. See, you can hear me talking today, but will you listen? You can hear God's voice, but will you listen to his voice? 
So listen, you can't stop from hearing. People are going to talk noise about you. People are going to talk noise about God. People are going to talk noise about situations. And you have to hear it, but you don't have to listen. So listen carefully to this. That's why I'm saying not hear me. I'm saying listen to me. Then Job's friends. Now here they started out good. You got, you got Eliphaz, you got Bildad, you got Zophar. That sounds like they're in the Lord of the Rings or something, right? You listen to that. You got these guys. And at first they come with Job and it starts out good. Did, I, did you hear me? I said it starts out good. Did you hear me? Listen to me. It started out good. The three friends, they show up and they sit with Job for seven days and don't speak a word. They just sit there and suffer with him. They just sit there and grieve with him. They just sit there and they're present with him. And then they start talking. And when they start talking, Job has to hear their accusations, but he doesn't have to listen to them. So, so his friend Eliphaz... Eliphaz in Job 16, 2, he says then Job, uh, he, he, his idea of this is that bad things happen to bad people. So Job, you got to be a bad person. That's, his, that's, that's one of his best friends. Eliphaz says, well, Job, here's how it works. Here's how the whole world works since he knows everything. He says, well, Job, here's how I've seen it. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things are happening to you. You're bad people. Now, Job didn't listen to that. This is what Job's response was in Job 16.2. Then Job answered and said, I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. He said, I've heard that before. You ain't telling me nothing I ain't ever heard. I just didn't listen to it. I said, you ain't telling me nothing I have never heard, but I didn't listen to it, and I'm not going to listen to it now. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in what I know. Then here comes Bildad. Bildad comes rolling up, and Bildad, he adds to it. See, he adds a little something fresh to it because he knows more than Eliphaz. You know, you got them Christians that walk around with the big Bible, you know, the big Bible with the Jesus that, that knocks on your heart. You know, they got the biggest Bible in church, and they come over, and they're going to give you some wisdom, right? He said, well, bad things happen to bad people because of the justice of God. So it's the justice of God. So, Job, I don't know what to tell you. You're getting sentenced right now. It's God's justice. You're bad. God's paying you back for bad, and it's his justice. So you need to just accept it, curse God, and be done with it. And what does Job say back to Bildad? He says, then Job answered him and said, How long will you torment me and break me in pieces with your words? Have you ever been broken pieces by people's words? Right now, people are breaking each other in pieces with their words. He said, how long will you break me in pieces? These ten times you have cast reproach upon me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? He's basically saying, you're saying, God, right? You're saying that when bad things happen to bad people, it's God's justice. Well, you doing this to me is injustice. You better watch out because what you believe may be the very thing that you experience. Then comes Zophar, the meanest of them all. Zophar comes sliding in there. And, and he says, well, it's a combination. It's a combo. 
of all of those things. It's a combo. It's a combo of bad people having bad things happen. It's a combo of the justice of God. It's, so you, you got a double whammy, Job. You got a double whammy. And Job says, then Job answered him, keep listening to my words and keep this be your comfort. Bear with me and I will speak. And after I have spoken, you can mock on. He said, listen, I heard you, but now I need you to listen to me for a minute. And I need you to listen carefully to what I have to say. I know you're not going to listen. I know you're not going to heed it. And then you can keep mocking, but I need to say my piece. And he begins to speak. And he speaks to them. And Job's friends and his wife all cursed him and blamed him. He had to reply in faith and choose not to trust in what they said and listen to their accusations. He had to know that he knows that he knows God. Listen to me. That's what you have to know today. You have to know that you know that you know God. So all of these falsehoods will be proven untrue. He may have had to hear them, but he didn't have to listen. Then you come to this, this next section, and, and Job's faith in God is the one constant throughout his suffering. Job's faith in God is the one constant throughout his suffering. And I'm asking you today, is your faith in God the one constant during this worldwide crisis? Is your faith that God is faithful, that God is full of hope, that God is peace, that God is joy? Will that be your story that they write about you in a hundred years? But his faith was his constant, but her faith was her constant in suffering. In the deepest times of suffering, Job says in 19, uh, Job 19, 25 and 27, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last I, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh shall I see God, who I, who I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. That's the picture of Jesus right in the middle of this story, right in the midst of all of this. You say, where's Jesus? He's right there in the heart of the story. And Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And this flesh, it might go away, but in my flesh, I'm going to see God with my own eyes. And my heart faints. My heart faints. How powerful is that? Trust is the one constant that Job has throughout the suffering. His faith wavers. His faith is frustrated, but it remains. I said his faith wavers. His faith is frustrated, but it remains. Did you know it's okay to struggle a little bit during this time? Did you know it's, it's okay to struggle that you don't have the answers? And I want you to hear me carefully in point number four. We may complain, lament, and lament basically whine. We may whine, we may ask questions as long as we come back to a place of trust in God. Did you know that you can complain, you can lament, you can whine, you can, you can ask questions as long as you come back to that place of faith? Job complains in, in Job 21.4. Job 21.4, he complains. And Job 3.3, you know what he says? I wish I was never born. You can read that right in the text. Job 3.3, 3, he says, I wish I was never born. 
Now that's a serious whine. That's when you're speaking whinies. You know, when you're crying. And you, a lot of us know what whinies is because we spoke it when we were little. If you loved me, you wouldn't treat me this way. Right? We all know it. And parents right now are going, please stop. You're giving me the itchies right now. Right? He questions God. But he comes back to a place of trust. You see, the faith of Job, it isn't pretty. I said Job's faith isn't pretty, but it's persevering. Your faith and my faith, it may not be pretty, but it's persevering. But it's persevering. And you know what I love about Job is when God answered Job, and then then God demanded an answer, because Job actually said, God, show up. Show up and tell me. He challenged God, and God shows up in a whirlwind. And all of a sudden, Job's like, oh, wait, (laughs) my bad. And then when God answered him, you know what Job did the first time? The Bible says Job said, I'm just going to be quiet. And God's like, no, 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 answer, come on. Give it to me, give it to me. He said, I'm just going to be quiet. You were big and bad when I wasn't here, but I was here the whole time. I heard everything you said. Answer me. And Job said, I'm just going to be quiet. Maybe it's time for you and I to be quiet. Because then, then God wasn't done. God said, oh, you want to be quiet? Well, I'm not done talking. And he goes on for a couple more chapters, and he unveils to Job. He says, oh, so I've got an answer to you? You want to know why bad things happen? He said, oh, so you, you think you know everything. Do you, do you tell the sun when to shine? Is it you that holds the storehouses of snow? Is it, is it you that tells the hail to come? Is it you that puts the wings of the hulk and lets it fly? Are you the one that can tame the behemoth? Are you the one that can, can catch uh, Leviathan with a hook? You can? Oh, no, that's me. You know what Job did? The Bible says Job, he just shriveled into himself. And, he, and the Bible says he loathed himself, which is the proper response when you're before God. When you stand before a holy, righteous God, especially when you're standing in, in question of him. Jesus changed that so we can boldly approach the throne of God. But never forget, you take the bass out of your voice when you're talking to God. You better drop that bass right out of your voice when you're talking to God. Because Job did. Job, Job went from like this to, hey God, what's up? I was just wondering what was going on. And, Joe, and God's like, no, nah, I heard everything you said. I heard every word you said. And Job, he goes through this process in 21.4. He says, as for me, is my complaint against a man? Why should I be impatient? Job 3.3, let me perish on the day in which I was born and the night that said man is conceived. Job 9.2, then Job answered and said, truly I know that it is so, but how can a man be in, uh, in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, no one could answer him once in a thousand times. Job said, man, I can't give any answers to you. But you know the one thing that Job understood? The answer to suffering is faith. I'm going to say it again. The answering to suffering is faith. Trust that you know 
God. Trust that you know God. That's the answer. And then here's what I want to, here's what I want to leave you with today. What I want to leave you with is point five, probably the most powerful point you're going to hear. Remember, the God we put our faith in is personal. He's personal. He is good. He is powerful. He is loving. He is merciful. And He is wise. But He wants a personal relationship with you. That's the kind of relationship that Job and God had. And God is with you in the process. When the Satan... When the adversary, Satan, the accuser came and accused Job before God, God had such confidence in Job that he said, consider my servant Job. That's the kind of relationship that God and Job had. And in the end, you look at this in Job 42, 10 and 11. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now, I want to preempt this. You see, God corrected his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar. He corrected them. He used a prophet named Elihu, but then he corrected them himself. And then he said this to, to, to Bildad, to Eliphaz, and, and Zophar. He said, you know what? You know what you need? You need Job to pray for you. Talk about vindication. He said, you know what you need? You need Job to pray for you. And if he prays for you, you can read this for yourself. If he prays for you, then you're going to be all right. Now, these three friends who were accusers of Job now had to go to Job and say, Job, will you pray for me? And this is where Job had a chance to show his character and God's worship in this whole process. You know what Job did? He said, absolutely. And he prayed that his friends would be forgiven. Now that is godliness. That again proves Job's innocence in this process. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. It revealed Job's true character. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all of his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate with him in the bread of his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him from all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a golden ring. But you know what they gave him more than anything? Fellowship. You see, all of those people abandoned Job. They all abandoned Job. They all left Job by the wayside. And what God really did was restore Job and as he restored Job, all of those relationships came back. And then all the benefits of those relationships. Isn't that powerful? You see, we must trust that God is good. That God is powerful. That God is loving. That God is merciful. And God is wise. We have to hold on to that. That God, the God that Job had, the God that Job had faith in. The God that Job had faith in was not a theory. He was not an idea. He wasn't a good feeling, a warm fuzzy. No, no, no. He was a personal God with whom Job had cultivated a relationship with before calamity happened. Did you hear what I said? He formed a relationship with God before calamity happened. 
Because listen, when calamity happens, we need God. I don't know about you, but I need God. I need God every day. I need God in the good times, and I need God in the difficult times. But when calamity happens, I can trust in God. I don't have to fear that COVID will take my life because my life is hidden in Jesus. I don't have to fear that. You see, the book of Job never answers why bad things happen. Nope. But there's a powerful truth. You may never know why bad things happen because it's above your pay grade. But you can know God. You can know God. You see, knowing God in the midst of our suffering helps us. Knowing God cares during our suffering strengthens us. And knowing that God can use this suffering for His divine purposes brings us comfort and hope. Today in 2020, yeah, we're in the midst of a crisis. We know that God revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus. Christ's sacrifice didn't just atone for our sins, but it gave us the opportunity to, to, to develop and build a personal relationship with God. When you suffer, what do you put your trust in? I'm going to ask you, so I want to get real honest with you. When you suffer, what do you put your trust in? Do you put your trust in little Debbie's? Little diabetes? Do you put your trust in food? Is that what you put your trust in? You run to food? Is that who you put your trust in? What about, what about relationships? Do you put your trust in relationships above God? Do you cherish the relationships when you suffer? <clears throat> when pain has happened, do you run to somebody else and seek to find your comfort in the arms of someone else? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Or what about this one? This one's going to get some drop-offs here. This one's going to get some drop-offs. Y'all ready for this? Or do you put your trust in drink or drugs and alcohol? I didn't, I didn't have any illicit drugs to bring, so... There was a time, but thanks be to God, it's past. Or do you put your trust in this? Now, some people say, oh, my God, he's talking about wine. What a condemner. What a Bible thumper. No, I'm not talking about that. Unless you go home and you have to have wine every night instead of Jesus. Unless you're whining in your wine instead of whining to God. Is this what you put your hope in, your trust in? Or what about... What about money? Money. What about credit cards? Is that where you put your hope when, you, when you're suffering, when you're struggling? You go and you say, if I can just buy some things, I'll feel better. But right now, everything's closed, so you can't feel better because there's not a whole lot to splurge by. So you've been blowing Amazon up. You know the Amazon man's name by, you know him by name. He's been visiting you every day. Because you got shoes for every day and an outfit for every day you ain't ever going to wear. Who do you put your trust in? What do you put your trust in? See, these are the questions. When you suffer, who are you looking to for your relief? Because all of those things are going to go away and they don't satisfy. Only God satisfies. We must put our hope and our trust and our faith in God. And we're not perfect. We're being perfected. So take a minute, right where you're at, and write it down. Think about it. What do you turn to comfort 
What do you turn to for comfort in times of pain and trouble? Some of you are having a revelation right now. And you're realizing, oh my goodness, little Debbie really ain't my friend. Oh my goodness, my buddy isn't Budweiser. Oh my goodness, I've been spending too many Benjamins. Oh my goodness, good time Sally isn't really giving me a good time anymore. What's happening? And now, right where you're at, choose God right now. Choose God in the midst of this. Choose God. You asked me where was Jesus in Job's story? He's right there in Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. Listen, I want to read it again. And, and, and at last, He will stand on the earth. Yes, Jesus has stood on the earth. But that's not just the now. He will stand on the earth again. Christ is coming. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh shall I see God. That's a promise. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him and not another. My heart faints within me. Who are you putting your hope in today? My hope is that you put your hope in Jesus. My prayer is that you put your hope in Jesus. Right where you're at right now, I want you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision. Listen, you've been, you've been hearing my words for the last 30 minutes. But now I want you to listen to my words and choose Jesus. And the Bible says if you choose Jesus, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you believe that He died on a cross for your sin, you believe that God raised Him back to life, and you believe that one day He's coming to be with you, to take you that He may be. If you believe that, and you receive that as your truth, as the truth, you'll be adopted into God's very own family. John 1.12 says that. If you receive, to those who received Him, to those who believed Him, He gave them the right to be called children of God. Will you receive the message of God today? Will you believe the message? And as you look at that story from there, He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I can tell you the cross is empty and the grave is empty, but the throne is full. Hallelujah. And I want you to know, he says, he will stand upon the earth. He stood upon the earth as a man, and he's going to stand upon the earth as God Almighty. And after this, this flesh has been destroyed, how? Because Jesus defeated death. He says, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You know why? Because we were resurrected and we got a, earth, a, a heavenly body coming our way. The perishable will be turned into imperishable. I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. I want to give you a chance right now to come into right relationship with Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity just by simply saying a prayer. There's no magic in this prayer. It's just simply a declaration. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Let's pray that prayer right now. Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are the Lord. And I know that my Redeemer lives. And I believe in my heart 
that you're preparing a place for me, and one day you're going to come back and take me to be with you. So because of that belief, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And God, I know that I can't be perfect because Jesus is. And I know that I'm going to be perfected and I will run back to you every time. And God, even when I have questions and even when I have complaints, I will not choose to trust in anyone but you. I may have to hear everything the world has to say, but I choose to listen to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer by faith. And all God's people who said that prayer said, amen and amen. Listen, I've enjoyed having you here. Next week, we're going to unpack the story of Daniel. Many of you already know it, but if you want to read it in advance, the story of Daniel from the book of Daniel. We're going to spend some time. What happens when you're in captivity? And many of us feel like that right now. Many of us feel like we've been locked up. What happens during that time? Who do we turn to? I pray this week that you'll know that you have a loving, good, merciful, kind God that's at work in your lives. I want to pray a blessing on you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pronounce a blessing over each and every person today. I pray as they're listening that they'll know that you are a personal, loving, good, merciful God. And I pray that they'll be able to live that in their words and in their deeds. And I pray, God, that you will help them to see themselves the way you see them as your children, and that you love them. It's in Christ's name that we pray. And we pronounce this blessing, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, we love you guys, and we will see you. Remember, Zoom groups are happening almost every night of the week. We got amazing things happening. We'll be together again. We're praying for you. We love you. It was good to preach to the crowd. If you missed the first part, go back. You can watch it as many times as you want. You get to see all of your lovely church family's faces. Not all of them, but there's a bunch.